Hello and welcome to day 72 of our Bible reading course. We've arrived at the beginning of Holy Week, which we'll be following in Mark's Gospel. Today's passage is Mark chapter 11 and chapter 12 down to verse 17. Let's pray. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, my God. Lord, may your living water satisfy my deepest needs always. In Jesus' name. Amen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, 
I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it amongst themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the winepress and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants, and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch Jesus in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. During our time in the Old Testament, we saw the significance of the temple as the dwelling place of God, the departure of his glory before its destruction by the Babylonians, its rebuilding after the exile, and the unfulfilled expectation that his glory would return. Malachi closed the Hebrew Bible with these words of promise. I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come. On Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem deliberately as Israel's king. 
It's a triumphal procession, preceding his coronation as the King of the Jews, five days later, at the cross. There's great fanfare and celebration as the people take up the cry of Psalm 118, Hosanna, Lord, save us! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Jesus heads straight for the temple courts to see what's going on. Now in Matthew and Luke, he cleanses the temple there and then. But here in Mark, it doesn't happen until the next day. The reason for this is another of Mark's inclusios, albeit on a smaller scale than with the two blind men we thought about the other day. Whereas Matthew records the cursing of the fig tree as one single and instantaneous event, and the only negative miracle Jesus ever performed, Mark spreads it over two days and sandwiches the cleansing of the temple in between. Why does he do that? To make it abundantly clear to us that the judgment on the fig tree is the same as the judgment that's coming on the temple, because neither of them were bearing fruit. At this point, another Old Testament reference is made to Jeremiah's words of condemnation for the idolatry and corruption that had turned the temple into a den of robbers, even in his time. Lots of prophecy is starting to be fulfilled. Incidentally, did you notice that Jesus and his disciples stayed overnight in Bethany, quite likely at the home of Martha, Mary and Lazarus? We then have a series of confrontations between Jesus and the religious establishment who've allowed the temple to be so misused. They challenge his authority. He calls their bluff. He then tells a parable about a vineyard, a familiar image for Israel in the Old Testament alongside that of the fig tree. Those in charge of it were failing to pay their dues to the owner. Then they killed the messenger sent to remind them, i.e. the prophets, and finally, they even murdered the owner's son. This is followed by another quote from the same Hosanna psalm about the builders rejecting the cornerstone of God's kingdom so that the vineyard would now be given to others. Jesus' meaning couldn't be clearer and his opponents respond in turn with another trap about the Romans' occupation tax. There's a popular image of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, as a model of how Christians should behave at all times. Yet here, as in several other clashes with the religious authorities, Jesus gets angry. So is it right for some things, or people, ever to make me angry? If so, how can I check that it's righteous anger and not just me lashing out? I remember the words of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, In your anger, do not sin. Although at a tangent to the main theme of our reading, in the middle of it Jesus talks about having faith that can say to a mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and not doubting that it will happen. In Luke's version he describes that faith as small as a mustard seed. What do I make of this? Clearly he's using hyperbole, but what role does faith play in my prayers? How have I wrestled with this? And do I still have any questions? 
Finally, those words of Jesus at the end of the passage about giving to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's could be applied to many situations beyond the Roman poll tax. Maybe I can think about this saying in terms of the various commitments and obligations that I have. What boundaries does it put around such things as my work or my leisure time so that I'm able to give to God and maybe his church too all the time and energy that he asks of me? Lord Jesus, twice today our reading comments that the crowd was amazed at your words, including the way you responded to the traps your opponents set. Give me something of your wisdom when people try to trip me up or catch me out about my Christian faith. And unlike the fig tree or the religious establishment of that day, may you find fruitfulness in my life, both in my heart of worship, Hosanna, and in my actions of discipleship. Amen.